interesting when I write about history, I am not so interested in the actual dates and uh, what happens. Uh, uh, to try to bring to life the people who made the events and who uh, uh, shaped the destinies of the kingdom. And so I did well, I prepared this. And as I looked at King Alfred, I realized we had to start back a little earlier than this. So we started with his grandfather, Egbert, who was the first, uh, uh, he wasn't the first king of Wessex, uh, but uh, he was uh, the, the first king of that line. And uh, he uh, uh, came uh, to the throne at, uh, at the time of King Shalman. And he had spent quite a bit of time on King Shalman's uh, it's King Sharman's court uh, uh, over at Aachen, and uh, he uh, uh, was a uh, well-educated, sophisticated man, and uh, he uh, established the, uh, uh, the, the kingdom of the West Saxons on a pretty substantial and sound basis. Uh, in his time, which is early in the 800s, uh, the, um, uh, the first Danish invasions began. Now, if you want an easy way of uh, uh, fixing a chronology or, or getting an idea of what it meant in your mind. Uh, the, the Saxon kingdoms were founded in the years 500-600 uh, AD and uh, this um, uh, King Alfred uh, lived uh, in the uh, end of the 9th century, 850-900 and uh, then we come on to uh, the uh, uh, 1000, and this also covers the period of the Saxon kings, so that uh, um, to get to some kind of time scale, if you knock off the one in front, or rather put it on, uh, you, you can uh, visualize the length of time that um, uh, the period covers. Uh, Alfred, uh, or the, rather the people who lived there later in the same time, King Edward, looking back, uh, to them, King, Edward, uh, King Edgar, uh, died in 975, so that his, um, looking back, uh, uh, King Alfred would be to him much of the same as uh, uh, Queen Victoria is to us, and uh, uh, the uh, uh, King Egbert would be back to the time of the French Revolution, and the founding of the, uh, the English states and the villages and the towns that we know would be about 200 years before that, two or 300 years before that. This gives you a kind of time scale. Uh, and uh, I find it quite useful to uh, get established in my mind how, how much a person living in, at one particular period would know and how far back his memory would go and uh, what he would have known. So, anyway, King Egbert, uh, uh, in his time, the uh, Danes first put in an appearance. Now, it's rather interesting that uh, uh, the, the Danish invasion uh, has certain parallels today and that one of the troubles was that there were the, the Danes and the Norwegians hemmed in uh, overcrowded countries uh, in, in the north of Europe and just before this period Charlemagne had conducted some uh, campaign uh, and uh, had brought order and uh, administration to the countries where they were normally uh, uh, accustomed to go pillaging and plundering and the populations of the northern countries were vastly increasing so that there you had a lot of uh, unemployed young hooligans uh, right from mischief and uh, uh, in fact you can see the same thing happening today uh, the, the, the elders and betters there in their own countries didn't know what to do with them and uh, in those days it wasn't quite so difficult uh, they simply 
uh, let them take boats and go off and uh, help themselves, which is in fact what uh, uh, what, what was happening. And uh, uh, you, you can begin to sense the possible beginning of another dark age similar to that if we aren't very careful. That uh, uh, it, 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 it simply Satan, uh, Satan some finding some mischief for idle hands to do, and uh, the uh, Danes uh, and the Norwegians and Norsemen found. Uh, there are two things that um, there was a big market over in the east uh, for uh, all kinds of commodities especially for slaves uh, because the, uh, uh, the Arab kingdoms were flourishing then in Baghdad and uh, other areas so that, uh, there was a t- tremendous unsatisfied market there and all, they had, all the, the Danes had to do uh, was to come over to the west and do some raiding and collect uh, what they wanted and shuffle it over there they were good traders um, and uh, so they simply came and helped themselves with uh, uh, no compunction or no uh, kind of moral feelings at all. They just uh, took what they wanted. Um, so that, that was the beginning of uh, the Danish wars and uh, they found that uh, things were, uh, the pickings were good and uh, um, as time went on, so instead of being just casual boatloads of uh, pirates, uh, uh, collecting uh, booty here and there, uh, they organized themselves into becoming a very formidable army and uh, had leaders which uh, uh, were capable, who were capable of uh, uh, organizing some very uh, complex campaigns. Uh, but always uh, they were the same. They were the same as uh, the young uh, uh, rascals about today. Um, they didn't want to fight. They would if they had to, but they much prefer to pounce and uh, grab what they wanted and disappear before anybody caught them. And uh, 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 they, they became very expert at it. Uh, time and again, they, you would read of the Danes, they would swear uh, on the most solemn oaths that uh, they would uh, 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 obey uh, the rules of the treaty they'd made with Alfred or whoever, and uh, um, oh yes we'll be good if you'll do this and immediately they, uh, they got what they wanted they broke all their promises and were off again and uh, um, it was almost impossible to deal with them completely amoral however the first uh, boatloads came in Egbert's time then after he died he had a son called Ethelwolf who uh, was um, uh, quite a lot of uh, uh, contradictory information is available about him he uh, is supposed to be heavy and of sluggish disposition, a very mild man, uh, more inclined towards the church than towards the war. And yet, when you come to look at it, you find him engaged in quite a few battles of the, uh, uh, with the Danes. And uh, as a leader, he was expected to fight in the front rank. And uh, the, uh, a battle in those days was, a, was a, usually a matter of... Uh, uh, two armies facing each other with, behind shields and cl- trying to clout each other with battle axes and swords and whatever. Um, and uh, uh, a man who fought in the front rank of one of those uh, armies was hardly a coward. You know, that given him full marks for courage and Ethelwolf was there, so that uh, he was uh, a quite a formidable soldier. And in his time, he managed to keep uh, the Danes at bay. As he got older, uh, <coughs> He, he was a. Uh, he wanted to go to Rome, uh, conduct a pilgrimage to Rome. And this is very difficult to, uh, when we read the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, which is our uh, main uh, uh, source of uh, information, because uh, you read that the Danes in this year uh, were uh, 
uh, invaded uh, Kent and laid waste uh, Sussex and this sort of thing. And that, uh, the very next uh, paragraph, you read that in this year, King Ethelwulf joined forces with Mercia to subdue the North Welsh. Uh, now, if he was so preoccupied with the Danes, what was he doing over in North Wales? And then the next year, off he goes down to Rome, leaving the country uh, to look after itself while he goes on a pilgrimage. Uh, uh, it doesn't tally, but nevertheless, there, there, there is the information we have to make the best use we can. When he went on his pilgrimage, he took Alfred with him. Alfred had been to Rome when he was a, uh, even a smaller child, when he was five or six years old. Goodness knows why they sent him there, but they did. So this, is, this time he went on uh, a second uh, pilgrimage to Rome with his father. And on the way back, uh, um, Ethelwulf called in at the uh, uh, court of the, the French king, Charles the Bold, uh, who was an old friend of his, and uh, uh, married his daughter. His own wife had died, Ethelwulf's own wife had died, so he married the French king's daughter, who was a girl of 13. And he was an uh, old, well, he was a man, not an old man, he said, yeah, my old man, this chap, this chap was about in his late 50s. But, um, um, so it was a typical case of a doting old man marrying a, a girl far too young for him. And, uh, uh, it didn't work out very well, and when he got back, his uh, uh, his subjects uh, were outraged by the very idea. They didn't like it at all. And in fact, uh, um, there would have been uh, a, a revolt if it hadn't been Ethelwood hadn't made up his mind to uh, uh, retire. So he took the kingdom of Kent and went back over there and uh, left his left his eldest son Ethelbald um, to um, uh, rule the rest of the kingdom. And so Ethelwulf uh, uh, died two years afterwards, whereupon Ethelbald, his son, married his widow, the Duke, who was then 15. And uh, this didn't do him any good either. <laughs> he, uh, 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 this, uh, you have to uh, realize that the, the chronicles we have, well, now who prepared them? As, when I had my journalistry, journalistic training, I uh, was always uh, treat, uh, told to treat every story with suspicion and say, who says so and why? And, uh, in this instance, who says so? Well, the people who kept the, the uh, records were, the, were priests and monks, and uh, they were interested in the welfare of the church. So that if you had a king who uh, obeyed all the rules of the church, and particularly if he endowed the churches and gave them all kinds of manners and money and one thing and another, he got a very good press, regardless of his uh, moral, uh, uh, moral character. But if he did things like Ethelbald did and married his father's uh, widow, a young girl like that, well he didn't. So Ethelbald suffered from that. He didn't get much of a press at all. Uh, however, um, the rest of the sons lived over in Kent, and Ethelbald was a king for about two years, and then he died. And here you come across this uh, thing that runs through the dynasty, time uh, 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 continuing thread right the way through. They died young. Uh, there was some uh, physical weakness there. Uh, the, these kings, they were great warriors, they were uh, um, very able men, but they never lived uh, past middle age, and most of them not till then. Um, uh, what it was, uh, we don't know, but Alfred, all through his life, suffered from a very distressing malady, which, uh, uh, even at the most uh, dramatic times, he, 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 was, he was in pain, he was uh, uh, ill. Um, so, uh, there it, it emerges with Ethelbald. He, he died young. He had three brothers, Ethelbert, 
the next one came to the throne, fought a few battles with the Danes, remained there for four or five years and he died. Then uh, we came to King uh, Ethelred, he was a third brother. There was one other feature about these uh, kings, they died young, they were splendid warriors, and they got on all right together. There was very little of this uh, uh, brotherly feuds that, uh, that uh, bedeviled so many of the uh, dynasties in other countries, you know, the tra traditional thing in the eastern country, when the uh, um, king succeeded to the throne, he uh, simply made a massacre of all his, uh, all his brothers, uh, uh, so that they shouldn't be, uh, have any rival claimants to the throne. But this didn't happen in the kingdom of Wessex. And here, uh, one after another, there were four brothers. There was Ethelbald and Ethelbert, then Ethelred, and then finally Alfred, one brother after another. And they all supported each other until it was, uh, it was their turn, their turn to succeed to the throne. Ethelred had no sooner succeeded when uh, the Danes really uh, set upon them. Now, in the previous uh, reigns, um, they had been concentrating on the north. By the time Ethelred uh, came to the uh, throne, they had virtually subdued all the north, and they were coming down uh, on Wessex. They made a concerted uh, attack. And uh, the year 871 was called the year, year of battles, because uh, in, in that uh, year, the first uh, um, year of Ethelred's reign, uh, they, I think it was the first, I'm not quite sure, I think it was, anyway, 871 was the year, um, they uh, fought, he and Alfred fought nine battles against the Danes because besides numerous skirmishes. They had one at Englefield Green in, in Surrey, they had another one at Reading, they had another one at Ashdown uh, near Reading, uh, and uh, on the Berkshire Downs. This one, the, the, the English one, it gave a good boost to their morale, and then finally one at a place called Merdon, which some people think is Martin, just up the, on the Danish, because it was here that Ethelred was badly wounded and he came down to Wimborne Minster and there he died. Um, and uh, this left Alfred uh, as the obvious heir to the throne and he took over. Uh, no, I make a mistake. 877 was the year of battles. 871 was when he uh, he came to the throne, but yes, he, he reigned for five years, that was right, and then he, uh, then the Danes invaded, and so 877 was the year of battles, and that was the year he died. Um, he was a, another man like his father, he was pious. And on the, ba the Battle of Ashdown, um, the, in the morning, the Danes were ready to attack, everyone was ready, and there was King Ethelred in his tent, still saying his prayers going through uh, the, uh, uh, the whole uh, morning service. And in the end, uh, the Danes uh, were getting so uh, threatening that Alfred, uh, uh, strictly against the rules, uh, uh, charged, uh, gave the order to charge, and uh, the battle was joined long before Ethelred uh, came out of his tent. And in, in fact, it was due to Alfred's dramatic action that the day was won. But uh, uh, it shows the contrast between the two men. So, um, Alfred succeeded to the throne. They, um, um, if they, uh, continued fighting the battles with the Danes, and that uh, Christmas, uh, the well, as a rule, uh, that, that was the end of the campaigning season. So they settled down for the winter, and he uh, settled down at Chippenham. And over the Christmas festival, just when they were thinking they were completely uh, safe, uh, the Danes. Uh, broke all the rules and attacked them there and uh, uh, caught them entirely by surprise, 
scattered the whole uh, uh, court and uh, Alfred uh, only just escaped with his life and um, uh, it says a lot of his uh, court escaped overseas and that should have been the end of Wessex but uh, in fact uh, it wasn't he went over there in the uh, uh, after Christmas and settled down in the Somerset marshes and there he began to organize a resistance and a comeback now uh, I studied this quite a bit we went to, uh, on horseback from uh, Athelney because it says there that on the Isle of Athelney um, he built a little wooden fort and uh, there he defied the Danes and so we, we started at Athelney which you can still see is near Borough Bridge in the Somerset Marshes and there's a, uh, a ruined uh, tower on the top and uh, uh, there's a well-known landmark near the village of Othery um, and um, uh, so we rode from there all through back through the, the Somerset marshlands up onto the hills above Warminster on what used to be the forest of Selwood and um, um, yet it wasn't very satisfactory perhaps it could be better uh, trying, trying, trying to draw a picture I can show you roughly uh, what happened now you have to remember that uh, uh, there were very few roads in those days, but uh, uh, what there were were the old Roman roads. And uh, the, the, the Danes, uh, part of their, the secret of their success, they had mastered the, the network of roads. They knew where the roads were, and uh, they used them time and again. Uh, that one of their first actions when they came out of the boats was to find all the horses there were, and then they would uh, gallop across England and attack uh, somewhere or another where they weren't expected. And uh, the Roman road which Alfred would have followed now there is oh, 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 chipping them up here anyway. It's not Mark, but they're chipping them up there. And uh, uh, so the, the nearest place would have been the Fossway, which runs past where I live, there, which is certainly in Elchester, and they, they, so they would have come down the Fossway and then disappear over here into the marshes. Now uh, here is Alfred over here at Athelney in, in the marshes, um, and uh, he came back and met. Uh, uh, at Whitsuntide, uh, he met the levies of uh, the uh, uh, shires here at a place called Eggbrickstone, right in the heart of Selwood. And then they said, the chronicle says, he uh, uh, stayed one night at a named place and then marched on and met the, the Danes and defeated them at a place called Eddington, or Eddington. And uh, uh, the question is, where is it? Well, the general th uh, theory is that he. Uh, uh, if you see, uh, if you go to the borders of Wiltshire and Hampshire, uh, Wiltshire and Somerset now, you'll find a ridge, a high ridge of country uh, coming up gradually on the Wiltshire side and forming a scarp overlooking Somerset. This is the ridge of Selwood, and uh, that was one of the great uh, uh, forests of uh, ancient times. A uh, hundred years before, 150 years before Alfred's time, King Aldhem, who was the first bishop of Sherborne, uh, did a lot of missionary work there among all the brigands and that who hung around in the cell in Selwood. Um, Aldham, whether well, it's passing, but Aldham was a, a big uh, a red faced man who became a, a bishop only when he was about 70 years old. And uh, what he, he, was a, he was a great musician, he could play the harp. And uh, so, with a, a, a retinue of trembling priests and monks, uh, off he'd go into the, into the forest of Selwood. And
and he'd find a place where there was a settlement or a bridge, and he'd park himself on the, on the bridge, and then he would play uh, and, and sing some, uh, some liberal songs until all of the local people came gathering around. And then when he had an audience, he would preach a sermon full of hellfire, and uh, this is how he got his converts. And uh, uh, he, a very successful preacher was that, would happen. Anyway, this, that was in Fast Assembly. And it was very densely uh, forested, right down to, which still is, as a matter of fact. So up here, um, somewhere uh, north of Shaftesbury, between Shaftesbury and Warminster, Alfred met his nephews. Now, according to the theory, he then went up that direction, and uh, this, this is based on the fact that the Danes were in Chittenham. Uh, so that he would meet them halfway on the edge of the Danes, and uh, uh, fought at the great battle there and won and then forced them back into Chippenham. Now, uh, unfortunately, the place where the, the battle is supposed to be fought is not near Eddington. Eddington. There's a village called Eddington a, a little way along, but it's another three or four miles along, and uh, the, uh, the place where the battle is fought was on Bracken Down, and it was, must have been called Bracken in those days, too. Uh, and also, what is said about uh, the Danes camp um, doesn't fit in very well. So I studied the records, and I, that, this was the conclusion I came to: that Alfred was out here uh, in uh, the uh, in Athelney, and it said that all through the winter, from Christmas up to Easter and beyond, he fought with the Danes. Now, uh, obviously, he wasn't. He was here. He wasn't going over there and fighting with the Danes. The Danes must have been there, over here. Um, now, overlooking the uh, um, the marshes where he was, uh, there's a ridge of hills called the Poldens, and. Uh, they are, although they uh, are not too high, they're very much higher than the marshes all around them. And in one, some places they are only about half a mile wide, and steep, a steep, steep slope on either side uh, going down to uh, the marshes, which were then real amphibious territory, so they've all been drained now, but even now in, in wet weather they're all flooded. And uh, so, uh, if you stand on the Poldens, you can look out across, you can see Alphony, you can see uh, uh, the whole set out of the land, and so the Danes, you can assume that the Danes came down the Fosway, and uh, there they were, out on this neck of land which reaches nearly the Bridgewater, not quite, and uh, they could look out there and keep an eye on Alfred, and what was, uh, at least uh, keep an eye on all the marshes where they knew he was. And uh, so you can understand how the, the, the battles uh, were fought, uh, the skirmishes were fought all the way through that winter. Uh, now, they were not. Uh, very successful. They knew, uh, knew he was there, and uh, uh, they uh, uh, couldn't get at him. So they sent a message then to the fleet, uh, uh, a fleet of uh, other days who were over here in Pembrokeshire, and uh, asked them for help. Now, uh, this makes no sense at all if Alfred was fighting the Danes there, but as it was, uh, they came down to a place called Crinowit, Conwit, which uh, uh, some people say it's at Contestbury Head, but it's, uh, that's ridiculous because that, uh, uh, if, if they land at Contestbury Head, there's nothing there for them to, uh, uh, to land there for, and also uh, uh, there's a cliff there about a thousand feet high. They couldn't have possibly have got up there. But over here, there's a, at the mouth of the bridge, at the uh, 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 Parrot, um, there is a, a, a village called, uh, which in the old days, it's called Homage now, but in the old days it was called Connet or something like that. So the, that seems to be the obvious place uh, for the, uh, the the boats to come from over here to there. And they, uh, if Alfred was here and the Danes were on the hills, they would come up the river and uh, uh, 
uh, catch him unawares. The river would be navigable in winter time. But at the mouth of the river there was this little fort, and they uh, um, then it barred away. The, the Saxons in the fort didn't know the Danes were coming, but uh, they put up a good resistance, and so the Danes surrounded them and prepared to starve them out. But uh, the uh, uh, defenders said, well, rather than stay here and starve, we at least try to break our way out. And uh, so they made a surprise sally, and they caught the Danes unawares. And they destroyed all their boats, they gave them a terrific defeat, and what was more uh, important, the Danes had a, a sacred banner called the, uh, the Raven Banner, which had been uh, woven by the three daughters of their great leader, Ragnar Lothbrok, and uh, um, they, uh, they captured, the, the, the Saxons captured that. Now this was a tremendous uh, blow to uh, the, uh, uh, the Danes, who regarded it with, uh, as a great magic, and a boost to the Saxons. So that sort of particular scheme found its way. So there was Alfred still there, the uh, Danes had uh, waited, uh, had failed in that move as well. Now, uh, as we get towards Whitsuntide, they probably uh, they gathered, uh, after that it says that, the, that the King Guthrum gathered all the levies he could to, uh, to fight against Alfred. Well, he, he would come along here and uh, ready to attack Alfred then here, and he knew very well that uh, after Whitsuntide, the marshes would dry up and he'd probably be able to get at Alfred knew too. So he obviously had a very good uh, um, secret service. He arranged for the uh, um, levies of the West Shires to meet him up here. And so he, he, he uh, uh, rode across there, probably by night. Uh, it took us only a day to go across, and on our horses it would take them less. And uh, he would, you could uh, travel by quiet ways, uh, which, where you couldn't be seen from up here on the hills. In the middle of the forest, he met uh, the, uh, his levies, came back along here, across the fossway, and caught the Danes in the rear. And they couldn't escape. Uh, the chronicles, chroniclers, uh, uh, make a, a special point of saying that the battle was fought behind the shield walls. In other words, the Danes formed up across the narrowest uh, uh, part of the, this uh, peninsula, uh, behind their shield walls, and prepared to fight it down there. And at that very narrowest point, uh, there is a village called Eddington, which, uh, in fact, uh, uh, is what the Chronicle said. It makes far more sense than that. Uh, they, they, Alfred then defeated them thoroughly. They, they uh, were forced into a camp there, and after about a fortnight, they surrendered from hunger and cold, not from thirst, because there was plenty of water there. And uh, this also uh, makes sense, too, of uh, what happened next, because the the Danes were taken, the Danish king was taken to Wedmore and to Aller for the, the, the treaty, for the christening ceremony and all the rest of it. Uh, it wouldn't make much sense to go over the ship and bring them back again, would it? Uh, I think that, uh, that uh, on the whole, that's the interpretation of the, um, uh, of the, the Battle of Athens during the Alfred's campaign uh, makes far more sense. And also the, uh, shows Alfred uh, as a pretty astute uh, military commander and military genius. He knew just what he was doing. He, and uh, in fact, he outmaneuvered the Danes properly. However, that was King Alfred um, and the Battle of Ethingen. Now, after that, uh, um, the Danes tended to leave uh, uh, Wessex in peace. And um, what had happened is that this was a, a kind of second generation of Danes, 
And these young men who had come early on on these raids, uh, they were getting middle-aged. And uh, a lot of them had married, and a lot of them had married English wives, and they wanted to settle down. So there were the two conflicting ideas. There were those who wanted to settle down, and they had had all this land here, and good land, they settled down in these families. Uh, and there were the young ones who still had their plunder to get, uh, they collected all theirs. Uh, this defeat uh, uh, of the Danes then uh, played right into the hands of the peace party, and they went to, uh, back to uh, the, uh, uh, the east. Uh, Alfred signed a treaty with them, and uh, uh, they settled down there. Um, there is no record that the Danish king ever broke his word. Uh, he, uh, 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 he was quite content he died there some years later. Uh, this, there's this about the, 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 the Danes, that although they broke their word, uh, really, uh, from their point of view, they didn't. Because uh, if uh, uh, one of their leaders made a special treaty with the English, or with anybody else, um, then uh, the, the treaty was broken about two days later. They said, oh, well, it wasn't me, because we elected another leader in the meantime, that he did it, he never swore the, to, to uh, keep the peace in the first place. Uh, so this is what happened there. Uh, in, la in later times, uh, in later in Alfred's reign, there was quite a bit of trouble with the Danes, but it wasn't with the original leader leaders, it was a new lot coming along. There was a, um, but uh, quite a bit after that, there was a profound peace uh, in uh, the, um, in Alfred's realm, and uh, he used it for two purposes, uh, well, several purposes. Um, one was to establish an English fleet, which he did, and he defeated the Danes in one or two naval battles, and another was to uh, uh, organize a system of boroughs. Now, this was very important for the future of England, because uh, in every area, there was, well, there was to be a fortified borough, which... Uh, um, to, to which people could uh, retreat in times of danger. And there was to be a, 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 at least a, a, a nucleus garrison which was on duty all the time. And uh, he, uh, he did it very uh, thoroughly, uh, formed these boroughs here, and then uh, afterwards, uh, he and his family, more particularly in this time of his son Edward, they uh, moved right across the Midlands and Edward uh, conquered bits and pieces from the Danes, so they would establish new boroughs and uh, uh, Half the towns in the Midlands uh, uh, date from that time. Aylesbury, Daventry, Northampton, uh, they, they were all, uh, had their origins, these boroughs set up by the Saxons uh, uh, as they created new frontiers and moved steadily uh, uh, to reconquer the, the, the lands of the Danes. Um, but uh, in the meantime, as I say, Alfred lived out the rest of his days in comparative peace. He uh, uh, was a, uh, he was very anxious to uh, uh, restore uh, some sort of civilization in England. He set up schools, he set up uh, uh, built new churches and abbeys and uh, monasteries. He uh, uh, brought his, uh, all his saints and judges together and told them that uh, they could do, uh, most of them were illiterate, he said, all right, we'll give you so long, you can do one of two things, you can either learn to read or write or you can be sacked. <laughs> so it was quite interesting to see these middle-aged, hard, horny-handed warriors sitting down in their books trying to master their letters. But Alfred was as tough with them as he was with the Danes, and he uh, they had to do as they were told. He, uh, um, well, in various other aspects of his characters, 
uh, he was very curious about the world and uh, we to one of his own writings we owe the story of Otere which uh, who was um, uh, who went to, uh, to uh, exploring up to the north of Norway and rounded the North Cape and discovered the White Sea um, and Alfred was most interested in what he had to say however uh, Alfred uh, um, survived until the year 901 I believe he died about when he was aged about 50 not very old but uh, uh, as I say all, most of his life he was uh, suffering from this mysterious malady and he was succeeded by his son Edward uh, who was uh, uh, not a cultivated uh, uh, scholarly type of man like Alfred but uh, a purely uh, a soldier a very hard-headed and uh, tough soldier uh, he took a lot of the uh, burden off his father's shoulders in the later life and he uh, uh, then set about uh, uh, systematically reconquering all the lands from the Danes and he had a sister who was his, uh, another one like himself Ethelfleda, the Lady of the Mercians he appointed her and her husband in charge of Mercia, the middle of England and all through their reign they moved up across here conquering one, one section after another establishing a borough and then moving on a bit farther and across here and uh, uh, the success story right the way through after him there came Athelstan who uh, uh, achieved such a reputation that he was regarded as the king of all England and uh, other kings, uh, all, all the other uh, kingdoms including those of the Danes regarded him as their overlord and uh, well those of you who saw that program the other night was uh, seen in the steps of Athelstan um, and uh, one of the interesting uh, things about it is that Athelstan uh, granted innumerable charters and great numbers of them have survived and uh, they give a lot of information about uh, uh, the places uh, that were in existence then um, one that I know best I think is at Malmesbury where uh, there's still about 900 acres which were given by Athelstan to the town and uh, kings they never did they, they, as fast as one disappeared another one of equal um, talent uh, and genius took over the same with Edmund he uh, uh, but he was he died uh, when he was 24 a place called Puckle Church near Bristol he uh, uh, was at a, uh, holding a feast there and looked down the table and who should he see um, but a man there whom he'd outlawed for murder uh, only a year or two ago and he was coming back and having a uh, feast at the king's table and, and Edmund was so incensed that he uh, rushed down and caught him all by the hair and uh, uh, Leofa the, the murderer uh, uh, well uh, instinctively act and stabbed the king and, and, and killed him and uh, so that was the unfortunate end of Edmund then after uh, him his brother carried, took over a man called uh, Edred who uh, was um, uh, again a remarkable warrior although one wouldn't think so because he, he suffered from such bad, bad digestion that uh, uh, people couldn't eat at the same table because he had to have only liquid stuff and he couldn't digest his food and uh, uh, so he, he was a martyr for indigestion all his life and uh, a great sufferer but when it came to war he was just as equal uh, just as equal to any of his um, uh, predecessors and uh, what the Danes in the north and the Norwegians in York uh, found that out to their cost um, he died when he was quite young too, he was about 30 
and uh, uh, it was then succeeded by um, uh, his nephews, uh, uh, the sons of Edmund, who had been killed by the by the murderer, and uh, uh, they were uh, Edwy and Edgar, and uh, Edwy was uh, the lad who uh, uh, it was only about fifteen or something like that, uh, who uh, on his coronation day uh, was missing, and. Archbishop Dunstan went in search of him and found him uh, with his girlfriend in a, uh, had a good old time in the ladies' bar. And uh, uh, Archbishop caught him off by the by the scuff of his neck and his hair and dragged him out to carry on with the coronation ceremony, uh, for which uh, uh, Edward didn't appreciate uh, Archbishop Dunstan one little bit. And they were daggers drawn uh, from that time onward. Uh, especially as Edward was uh, greatly encouraged by the girl's mother. Uh, so he, he had mother-in-law problems. And uh, um, so he got a bad press too because he had uh, fallen foul of uh, uh, Archbishop Dunstan. But uh, actually, uh, he apparently was a very handsome and able young man, but it didn't uh, do him much good. And uh, uh, his... Uh, he died. He was deposed after a year or two, and then uh, died young. And his uh, brother Edgar um, uh, succeeded him. Edgar was a good boy. He did what the archbishop said, and uh, uh, d- didn't uh, uh, show much uh, um, initiative of his own, except when it came to uh, uh, womanizing. When he was pretty good at that, and. Uh, uh, so uh, the archbishop allowed him to get away with that, provided he uh, was uh, uh, obedient politically. And uh, so uh, uh, Edgar, was in due course, uh, rode on the bee by uh, uh, seven monarchs, uh, British monarchs, uh, uh, pulling the oars. He was crowned at Bath in the year 975, the first uh, crowned king of all England. And uh, um, <coughs> in fact, he lived in peace and prosperity. Uh, he. Uh, uh, in those days, it was said that um, the, uh, a woman could walk from uh, right across England uh, with her baby and a purse of gold and nobody would ever molest her. And uh, uh, such was the piece of Edgar. But there were certain reasons for, for that because the uh, Saxon laws in those times were extremely ferocious and that any king who uh, um, made sure they were observed uh, certainly banished crime from the land. Um, any uh, serious offender had his eyes put out, his ears cut off, his hands cut off, his, his scalps and left by the roadside for the uh, uh, birds and the animals to eat. And, uh, uh, well, a few examples like that, you can understand why crime didn't pay in England in those days. And they, uh, um, uh, they, they had a, a state of perpetual peace. Um, not too long before he died, um, Edgar... Uh, heard of a beautiful daughter of the Duke of uh, Earl of Devonshire. And so he sent one of his courtiers down to uh, uh, Exeter or wherever it was to, uh, to see this girl. And uh, the courtier's name is Ethelwald. So Ethelwald goes down and sees the girl himself and uh, um, she was so beautiful he fell in love with her. And uh, so he sent a report back to King Edgar saying, uh, well yes, uh, she's uh, 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 she, she's certainly rich, 
but she's a typical Devonshire dumpling, fat and rosy cheeked, and uh, nothing very attractive at all. Uh, so you, you wouldn't be interested, he told the king. He said, I wouldn't mind marrying herself because I, I would need a rich bride, so perhaps I could marry her. So Edgar agreed, and so Ethelwald was duly married. So after a bit, uh, King Edgar decided to go down and uh, uh, see uh, how uh, these people were getting on, pay a courteous visit. Uh, Ethelwald was uh, decidedly alarmed by this because he, he guessed what was going to happen, so he begged his wife, Alfreda, to please, for goodness sake, make yourself look ugly. Now, if you ever, can you imagine the, telling a woman to make herself look ugly when the king is coming? <laughs> Not a bit worth a bet. She did the opposite, of course. Made herself look as beautiful as possible, and uh, King Edgar uh, fell in love with her. Wasn't long after that before her husband, Ethelwald, uh, mysteriously died. <laughs> and uh, uh, so uh, King uh, um, Edgar then married the beautiful Alfreda, and uh, uh, it was a little bit for him because he didn't live to, live to see it. But it was a bad, bad day for England because um, uh, he left, when he died, two children. His eldest was uh, uh, Edward, who was about 16, and the youngest, uh, that was belonged to a previous wife, the youngest was Ethelfreda's uh, uh, son, who was about six, and his name was Ethelred. And Ethelfreda uh, uh, was the wicked. Uh, uh, stepmother who, uh, uh, when Edward, the young king, was out hunting, came to her castle at Corfe Castle for uh, a drink, uh, treacherously had him stabbed in the back and killed, and uh, uh, so that her own son could succeed to the throne. And uh, Ethelred, who succeeded to the throne, was uh, uh, later known as Ethelred the Unready or Ethelred the Readerless. And un all the work of the warrior kings of uh, Saxon England was undone. Uh, uh, the Danes uh, triumphed in the end, and uh, before uh, the end of his reign, we had a Danish king, King Canute. So there, uh, strictly speaking, the story of the warrior kings ends. There was a, 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 another uh, resurgence of it, Edmund Ironside, who uh, uh, contested the, the kingdom with Canute, but he too got murdered. And uh, that uh, was the, uh, uh, well, I don't know, unfortunate end of the story. It was uh, the, the logical end of the whole story.